This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. And this is the Goop Podcast, where we bring together thought leaders, scientists, healers, creatives, and seekers. I'm so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible wisdom with you. And I especially love listening to the conversations that are led by my brilliant co-host and friend, Erica Chitty. Erica is the CEO and co-founder of Loom, and she's been a part of the Goop family since the beginning days. We believe that simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. I'll let Erica fill you in on her guest today. My guest today is the lovely Chani Nicholas. Chani is an astrologer and the best-selling author of You Were Born For This. Her book offers an accessible way to make meaning of our own birth charts. In it, Chani teaches us how to use astrology as a framework for finding healing, purpose, and radical self-acceptance. Chani's work first came into my life a few years ago when a friend forwarded me her monthly newsletter. I deeply resonated with the way she wove together astrology, emotions, somatics, and social justice. It felt prescient and needed. Today, we talk about her rules to astrology and why self-inquiry should be met with self-awareness. She shares how to get through challenging transit periods and why addressing injustice and systemic issues has been and will always be important to her work. Plus, she also dissects my birth chart. And let's just say her predictive sense about me, as with so many others, is spot on. I loved having Chani as my first guest on the Goop podcast. I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Let's get into it. Chani, I'm so excited to have you with me this morning, virtually, to just, you know, dive in. I want to circle in to your origin story for a little bit. And, you know, in your book, which I have with me, you know, (laughs) you talk about, you know, growing up in a complex family of origin, and you even state that you knew the taste of cocaine by the age of five. And, you know, as someone who also grew up in a very 
challenging traumatic family of origin. I'm so curious about how your past shaped you and how it brought you to astrology. Mm. I mean, I, yeah, our, our, there's, there's no mistaking the shape that our past pours us into. And I think my work is always about reflecting back on that. And it's not to be stuck in the past and it's not to be morose about the past and it's not to not understand our agency in the present. But the ways in which we are neurologically shaped by our past, physically shaped, emotionally shaped, spiritually shaped is unmistakable. Those grooves that get set in us are just quite deep. And so it has shaped me in every way. And I think the older I get, the more I realize how nuanced that is Mm. and how those grooves that got set so early are always playing a certain tune. Mm. And my work is, and I think most of our work is to get, become better and better listeners to the, to the sounds and the vibrations and the attunement that our system has originally been shaped within. Mm-hmm. And, and having this really important transit through my 12th house right now. And the 12th house is a part of your chart that speaks about all the things that might be hidden, sorrows, depressions, losses, and also places where we are out of touch with something in ourselves or in our life or in the world. And so for me, I've really noticed how deeply set my anxiety is Mm. and how, and we all have, you know, different reasons for the anxiety we have. We have historic reasons. We have very present day systemic reasons for having a ton of anxiety. There's like all the, and then there's the personal stuff. And so just really understanding how insidious that anxiety is in me and how much time it takes, how much space, how much energy it takes up has been a really fascinating study and observation being in quarantine and, and having that time to really reflect has been jarring to the, Mm, mm. to understand the extent to which my anxiety kind of like rules my mind and being. And that is all from my past, of course. And I think really understanding the ways in which our childhood was disrupted for whatever reason. It's not that anybody is bad or wrong. It's just things happen to us. We've survived things. And to understand the imprint and the impact that that has had on us, I think is the the way to unlock certain paradigms in our life. And so astrology for me helps me to understand the original imprint that I came in with and that I lived through and that was put upon me. And then I then made kind of reality out of, and also helps me to understand the cycle that I'm in and where to place my focus and attention. And that's what I hope to help other people with through the app and through the book. It's like, there's a present time reality that astrology can help us unpack but the birth chart itself holds the original imprint 
And it's there that we can always go back, like our origin story. We can always go back to our birth chart. We can always go back to our childhood, to our ancestry, to our origins and be like, ah, this is the root of the thing. And my relationship to that root can change and heal and, and move and become different. But the root is the root. Yeah. The birth chart is that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm interested in this idea of, of rooting and, and, and origins when it comes to astrology. You know, yeah. you just talked about how it helps you kind of wayfind and creates a sense of placemaking for you to mm. be able to discern mm. where you've come from and where you are right now and where things could potentially, you know, go. But what's your origin story with astrology? How did you find it or how did it find you? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so I had a reading, my first, my very first reading, like full reading was when I was 12, which is a really important age astrologically, because it's your first time you have your Jupiter return and Jupiter's about teachers and philosophy and wisdom traditions and spirituality. And I had my first reading at 12 with a newly formed family. So it was like my dad's third wife and he, and they were step there was a step I had a stepbrother and sister and a stepmom and my stepmom's mom was a Reiki master and she knew all of her friends were psychics and astrologers and tarot card readers and that's just like all the things yeah all the things I so I like got brought into that world when I was 11 and it was it's I think it saved my life in a lot of ways anyway she had that grandmother had had bought us an astrology reading as a family and so we went as a family and got a reading and the astrologers started speaking about each one of us in such distinct and helpful ways. I was the kid always that was trying to figure everything out and trying to figure everyone out. And so this astrologer had this code and had this knowledge and had this skill and she was able to parse us out and in very distinct ways. And it, thrilled me and I just felt like she was speaking something that I knew but no one had ever spoken to me before and I needed to know and she wrote a book and I got that book and that was the first of many astrology books that I that I had that's that's amazing what's the name of the book her name is Tina Katola and that I think the name of the book is The New Astrology. It's upstairs. I love hearing that your introduction to astrology was at such a formative young age because mm-hmm. that is definitely something that we share, which in mm-hmm. a way doesn't surprise me. My yeah. my mom had my natal chart read when I was two weeks old and had oh. it on a, on a cassette tape, which also says a lot about my mom, which at yeah. some point we'll probably get a chance to go into, <laughs> whether it's here or at a different time. <laughs> right. But especially I, what, one thing I've also kind of been thinking about a lot too, thinking about my mom back in the eighties, mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. a re- reading for me and then having like a cassette tape at two weeks postpartum being a doula now just knowing how intense that period of time is it's just it's interesting that she made that such a priority but I I agree with you in the sense that you just said when you found out and had that early reading at 12 which it in in a way saved your life I, I feel very similarly about that early introduction to to a well again I was only two weeks old but like the introduction very early to astrology was so important because I have always seen and continue to see astrology as a framework and 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 a blueprint to help 
you understand yourself better and to help you have a more tangible way of understanding the architecture and, and framework at a macro level. And so being able to, you know, kind of pendulate between those two frameworks from such a for such a formative or such an early age, I think is a real gift because if I, I think if I didn't have that framework so early, I think it would have led to so much more disruption in my life and, and not really knowing how to like make my way out of challenging situations, you know, whether or not one believes in astrology, I think just seeing it as a framework allows it to have utility. There's like a real mathematical scientific piece that's very organizing about astrology. Yeah, it's a very practical tool. And I think when we really get into the nuts and bolts of it, it is this really fascinating system that is really similar to now that I have a tech company. <laughs> I'm like, wow, astrology is really similar to like building tech. You're like A plus B equals C. And of course that is reductive because there's also a whole other element of something that is quite mystical that happens when someone comes for a reading and another person gives the reading. And then there's this third element that comes through that can be really healing. And there is a, a kind of nuts and bolts you know, reality to astrology that you can apply in a lot of different ways that, that are incredibly practical. And that's always where I like to lean because if we can make it accessible and also usable and workable, then I think that we can feel a deeper relationship to it. Most of our spiritual life is lived out through very practical actions. Yeah. Our big spiritual purpose, blah, 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 is lived out through like getting up and having a backache and, you know, getting on the subway and fixing our lunch and taking care of our kids. And like, there's so much of the mundane experience that's so, that is so necessary to having anything close to a cosmic, mystical, spiritual, you know, life. It's like, we have to go through the funky, practical part of being human to be able to get anywhere. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on The Goop List, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. In your book, you have these three rules, which I'm actually going to read because I think that they're potent in terms of rules to kind of guide one around learning about their astrology. And, you know, the first rule is I promise to never give my current understanding of my chart too much power. I promise to never underestimate the wisdom that is woven into my chart. 
And I promise to always leave room for learning, unlearning, and relearning. And I'm really, really curious about why these rules and, and, and what are you hoping to impart or instill with that type of, one could even say, you know, containment? Well, I think that part of what I always want to help myself do and other people do is question why I think of something in the way that I'm thinking about it. So we live in a world that is full of very harmful ideas about self, about others, about paradigms of the, the, the systems of inequity that we function within skew our understanding of both self and other to a very large extent. So when we're, I, I want us to remember that racism, sexism, uh, xenophobia, all those things, they are still with us when we look at our chart. So all of the things that we've been imbued with from the world, regardless of if we want it to be or not, are there when we start to self-reflect. And so I want to make sure that we're keeping that kind of awareness. Like, am I looking at this through a lens of, of self-harm? Am I searching for what's wrong with me? Is my fear the thing that's leading me when I'm looking? And one of the things, you know, there's parts of the chart that are really difficult. So the sixth house is one of them because it's about work and it's also about being disempowered sometimes. And it's also can be about illness or things that impact the body in a really negative way. And if we're looking, if we have a chronic illness, if we have pain, if there's something that we haven't been able to come to an understanding with or accept or heal or whatever, and we see it in the chart, it's going to, it's usually going to evoke a very fearful response in us. So I want us to always remember that we might be looking at our chart through that lens. And is that helpful for us? And it's, it's always going to be more than what we think it is. There's always a deeper wisdom happening in the chart. And often humans condemn ourselves to a fate, right? And we're really afraid of being condemned to a fate. And while I do believe that there's fate and I do believe that there's free will, there's, there's an intermingling of the two. And I want us to exist there, that there's agency and there, is, there are things that feel faded in the chart. There just are. It's like, a, I'm in LA right now. I'm not in, I'm not in New York. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm, you know, I cannot go to Fifth Ave. Doesn't matter how bad I want to, it's not here where I am. So that's kind of what the chart is. The chart locates us somewhere, but I've got free will within this space that I'm in. So there's that, there's always something, there's something really important to remember too, that at certain ages, certain things in our chart will be unlocked. There will be, we'll we can struggle with something for 30 years and then we can move through it and into a totally different relationship with it. At different ages, we have different relationship to the things in our chart, both by transit, by progression, by different phases that we're in mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and also sometimes we just, it just takes a couple decades to, to end up in the thing, place where we need to be to understand why we have this difficulty in ourselves, in our lives, in our chart. Where are the distinctions of age in the birth chart? There's a lot of different ways to look at the timing of the chart. Each year, 
there's a different house that gets opened up for you and therefore a different planet starts to be activated. So you can look at it by age, by year. There's also cycles, planetary cycles that happen. So as we all know, at around age 30, we go through a Saturn return. And that's the first time Saturn's come back to the place it was when we were born. And that denotes something about our maturity and our personal authority and our growth. So there's planetary cycles. And then there's also what we call progressions. So there'll be times where there's just more action in our life than there was, than there is. There's times where we begin again and start anew. There's times where it's like full and ripe and blossoming. There's times where we're supposed to be letting things go. There's times where we're supposed to be making decisions about how things are going to work. So we're always in some kind of cycle and astrology locates us in those cycles. But some of the cycles are really long. Like some of the cycles are 30 years or even longer. And so it's easy to be like, oh no, I'm trapped into something for a couple of decades. But when you live through it, you're like, oh, I had a totally wrong idea about what I was trapped in or what this Mm. thing was. So it takes time to understand the meaning of the thing that we're in. And it takes a lot of patience. And so I think that I think our, self-inquiry through astrology has helped a lot with that patience and with that understanding of time. You talked about this idea of free will and you also brought in this idea of fear and how sometimes, oftentimes we're really led or kind of motivated by fear. And so I want to tie that into this idea of Saturn return, which mm-hmm. most people, when they hear about it, they're like, oh, you're going to your Saturn return. And, and there can be a lot of kind of like negative feelings or connotations or fear of getting into it, being in it and what happens on the other side. What do you kind of recommend for someone about to hit their Saturn return that's currently inside it or just going through a challenging transit period? So the most important thing is to understand where your Saturn return is happening. And you want to know the location so that you can start to put the pieces together of what that's about for you. So for you, Erica, that was your sixth house. So it was health, body issues, like all that kind of how things might show up in the body, but also work and work projects and work relationships and trying to consolidate something in that area of your life and take it more seriously and like get it together and put something out, you know, so that eventually you had something. So it was, there's a, there's a seriousness to a Saturn return. And we have to learn that we're, gonna, we're getting old. <laughs> we're not going to be <laughs> 20, whatever, forever. And we're moving into a new stage of our adulthood. And it's time to separate in the ways that we personally need to from our parents. And to know that whatever happened with them has happened. And it's now our time to self-parent. And to also extricate ourselves in the ways that we can at that point in our life from the dynamics with our origins that just aren't helping us become fully responsible for self. And also letting our parents be adults and humans and take care of themselves if that's our issue also. Like there's all of those dynamics that go on. And so it's about coming into our adulthood. Sometimes it's painful. For some people it is. And for other people, it really isn't. 
And it, it can depend on if you have a day or night chart. Night charts generally have a little bit of a harder time, we might say, than day charts. So you have a night chart. And the beautiful thing about this setup for you actually is that the ruler of your sixth house where all your Sagittarius placements are is Jupiter. And in your chart, you have Jupiter in the ninth house of spirituality. And Jupiter again is the planet that is very spiritually inclined. And you have Jupiter in one of its most powerful signs. You have it in Pisces, which is, and you have it in the ninth house of, again, spirituality. So it's the planet of spirituality in the sign of spirituality in the house of spirituality. And so we know that whatever happens to your body, whatever your body teaches you, whatever it brings you through, part of your lesson is to go to a place to say, what does this mean for the, the, my bigger picture? What is the spiritual lesson here? And I'm not saying that you don't go through a path of, of allopathic medicine, of traditional Western medicine, of also all the other traditional wisdom teachings, but it, it does mean that there's something very inextricably linked in your chart about health crisis and where it propels you to go to and also other avenues that you might open up for other folks that are in similar situations. And so there's this, your way is to always go to a sense of what does this mean? What's the larger picture? How might this be also part of my own spiritual healing? Does that resonate? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I mean, that's like, about five, about five snaps. Yeah. I'm very passionate about reproductive justice and reproductive justice really is this idea for those who might not know of that centering black women, BIPOC people, marginalized people and creating medical and health paradigms that serve them is what actually is going to save the collective. You know, when you design for the edge case, you take care of everybody else. I love that point. you're that this is also a big piece of your work because in your fifth house of, of reproductive health, if we're going to look for something about reproduction, we go to the fifth house, both creative reproduction and physical, you know, all the stuff you have Venus and, and Mercury and Pluto, but you've got Venus in a really difficult sign. So it's in Scorpio, which is gorgeous and beautiful and we love, but it's also the opposite place of where Venus is comfortable. And so when we look at our chart and we say, oh no, I've got, and I just want to say like for the record, a lot of my planets are in the worst signs that they could be in. <laughs> so I know this very well. So when we see that we've got a planet in a sign that it has a hard time in, we know that if we go into that issue, that there will be great meaning for us. I think we can generally say that, that if we say, okay, that's where the growth edge is, or that's where the pain is, or that's where the issue is, we know that your Venus will work extra hard to bring about some kind of, well, joy. <laughs> so you're, you've got a, like a Venus where it's like, I really want to- Joy. <laughs> yeah, like have joy. But there's also a thing where like you work hard at it or like you have to like kind of work upstream towards it. And I, I really agree with that in the sense of my- work does feel inextricably linked from who I am. And I don't even think of it as work. I see it as a vocation because yeah. it does bring me great meaning. And so much of myself is being unrevealed to me through my work, you know? 
the wait is over. That's right. Season 5 of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So, get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. I want to talk about North Nodes and South Nodes because that was another discovery I made last year. I had not known what those two areas were. And learning about my North Node allowed me to do some of the crazy things I did last year that if I had been living primarily in my sun sign, I would have never have done. So can you talk a little bit about what they are and what people need to know? Yeah, so there's there are different ways to look at the nodes. There's a, kind of like a modern Western understanding, which I don't have. I have more of a traditional understanding of the nodes, or that's where I lean into. And so to me, the North Node is a place of increase and desire and insatiability. And you have your North Node in the 10th house of career. So to me, when I look at your chart, I'm like, oh, this person's like got a huge desire to do very important, risky, adventurous things in their career. Like that is where there's a hunger. But the wild thing about your chart is that your son, your identity, your sense of self and purpose is not only in a sign it has a hard time in. So it's in Libra. That's the opposite sign from its exaltation. So Libra sun signs have a tendency to be a little too fair, to be a little too concerned with balance, to be a little too concerned with the other, to be ever be able to really focus on self. Now the sun's job is the self. It is to magnify its own brilliance and you know its own kind of royalness. And so it's supposed to be the center of attention. It's the center of the universe, our little universe. And so the, the sun in Libra is already like, oh, but not enough about me. Let's hear more about you. But your sun is with the south node. Now the south node is a very spiritual place because it's about letting, so where the north node is greedy and wants and desires, the south node's like, let's, let's let it all go. I'm gonna be detached. It's like, in order to really attain enlightenment, I have to unclutch from expectation and let it go. But it's also can be a place of great loss because it's, a, it's like a drain point. And to have your son in Libra, which is already a little bit over emphasizing the other person and not the self, to have that next to the south node could be a drain of personal energy. And it could be a place of great spiritual pursuit. But it's a very double-edged sword we're looking at, right? And it's in, for you, it's in the place of family and roots and tradition. So one of the red flags here is like, okay, so let's not let's not give everything over to either, and I don't know what this story is for you, but it's either the family or the family system or know how things from the past could have a sense of a drain on you and or it's all the loss you experienced as a young person in your family of origin. I think there's so much there. I think just the the, the difference between the South Node and the North Node, especially my my understanding of the nodal components of the chart is you're, you're typically kind of making your way towards kind of integrating more of the North Node as you- That's the modern perspective. 
Yes, yes, yes. I don't have that, but I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it as well in the sense of, I think for me, that Western perspective plus the perspective that you're bringing to it, it just gave me more permission to let more of that fire in that I was not acquainted with at all. Because I think energetically, off of what you said, I was spending more time in like the sun Uh part of, yes, yeah, Yeah. and the spirituality. And so it's been interesting to meet more of that fire and, and figure out kind of how to calibrate it better. But I, but I do think that it's exciting for folks to look more at that part of their chart just because it's so interesting. And I feel like it doesn't get that much airtime. If we have planets, like for you, if you've got a planet, especially the sun or moon or ruler of the ascendant, but, or any, you know, inner planet, especially it's like, it becomes so potent. So for you, it's always the, what should I let go of? What should I give away? There's also this deep need in you to give it all away. (laughs) Yes. And, but I also am, Yes, but because I really believe that we are visiting, you know, I I really believe at a core level in impermanence and not in a yeah, chaotic. Of <laughs> it's sun south node. It's all going at some point. It's all going. <laughs> yeah. This whole time right now is about knowing that we don't have that much time, and so and so, what are we going to do with this time? Time that we have are we going to quibble or are we going to to step into whatever is in front of us you know one of the things I've always loved so much about your work is your ability to pull astrology into social justice and into activism I think you know as a gay person as a black woman you know I who has had a connection to astrology from childhood essentially it has always been a very heteronormative, it has always been a very white space with a lot of spiritual bypass and just a lot of individualism, even though so much of astrology is about looking at the collection, the collective, the collective of planets. And so I'd love for you just to speak about how, what you feel astrology's responsibility is when it comes to social justice and activism and, and, and how do you, how do you kind of encourage people to to build that in to how they're creating their own blueprint? I think it's our, as in humans, responsibility to come at whatever tool we're about to use with self-inquiry. And I think that especially white people, I can talk from my own experience, have a responsibility to address our own white supremacy. I think straight people have a responsibility to address their own homophobia. I think we all have something that we can address within ourselves before and as we are approaching and working with the tool that we have. And I think for a very long time, the astrological community has lived in a kind of bubble or silo where it was majority white and straight and able-bodied and all the rest, middle class to upper class. And it was not confronted with its own biases. And I, as 
a white Jewish queer woman am not interested in approaching anything without also interrogating my own biases and also inviting whoever's engaging with my work to do the same. How could I talk about a system of wisdom or knowledge that talks about humans and our experience here on earth without also in addressing systemic inequalities? Because first and foremost, we have to understand how that impacts ourselves, our psyche, our relationship, our earth, our justice system, all the things that is predominant. That's first for me. So whatever else comes after that is great, but it's, that has to be first for me. That is where I am most committed to and interested in understanding. And that's because of all of the black indigenous and, and, and people of color that, that feminists that taught me that that's that's my a lot of my training ground is yes training and astrology and other kind of spiritual traditions but the i think the thing that always like piqued my interest as much as or more than this craft is understanding how injustice and how systemic inequality impacts our quality of life and our relationships and our, especially our relationship to each other and the planet. Anything else feels violent to me. You know, thinking about this idea of, you know, bias and, and, and really wanting to reduce harm, it, it really brings up this idea or it brings up this question for me about your app and, you know, why you decided to use the framework of tech to expand on your practice and, and your approach to this modality because, you know, as I'm sure you and I are really aware, there's a type of bias that lives inside of technology. And, you know, there's, there's a, a feeling of, you know, surveillance and there's all these complex components that live inside of wanting to even build anything in tech. And so, you know, what was the feeling there for you? Like what brought you to want to make something in tech in order to support astrology? So we own a hundred percent of our company. We have no VC funding. So nobody has any power over us. We're incredibly controlling people. My wife and I run the company <laughs> and own it. And we'll not, I don't think there's anything that we would want to do where anybody could tell us what to do and how to do it. So we will never, ever, ever sell your data. No one owns us and we have no interest in, in using or selling your data. And that's first and foremost. And that's why the app has a subscription model because we put all of our own dollars into it. We made the app because we're astrologers and we wanted to put the blueprint of your potential in the palm of your hand and work with you from that place. Also 5% of the subscription fee that we get goes directly to black indigenous POC survivors of gender-based violence through cash grants that get dispersed through my wife, Sonia Passi's organization, Free From. So the app was built by Annie Cannons, which is a tech company that in part works with folks that have survived human trafficking in some way, shape or form. And they coded the app and, and it was built by survivors. And it's very important for us to have 
built this app, not only with, with a team of astrologers, every single word in the app is, was written by an astrologer and edited by me and my wife. So it's all from an astrologer's mind or a collective, a hive mind of astrologers, we could say, with decades and decades and decades of experience. And it's all made and built and going back to foster community health and well-being because we deeply believe that if we want to talk about personal well-being and self-care, we can't ever leave out community health and well-being and, and care. I just love everything that you just shared and it is so emblematic of why we want women running more businesses, why we want women in tech to be able to use the power of, of that tool for its highest and best good. And this idea of, you know, building in mutual aid and, and thinking about, you know, how do we really heal from a number of different paradigms, financial, hmm. financial financially. Yeah. Financial well-being is really big for us. Yeah. It's that we believe that because we live inside of capitalism, you can't actually heal if you don't have the, the material means to do so. That's, I mean, that's definitely is a longer conversation, just this idea of financial abuse and like what is like repair really look like. But I think the last thing I'll ask you about, and it's perfect because you've brought her up a couple of times, is, <laughs> is about Sonia. It's about your wife. <laughs> and just even your, your joyful giggle is exactly why I, I knew I... I needed to to bring her up and, and and talk about her because I think so often, especially, you know, in this time where we're so focused on female founders and, you know, mm -hmm. what they're doing and there's, it's very much this like singularity around how did she do it or right. how is she doing it? And oftentimes we don't make space to celebrate the person alongside them who's helping them walk that path. And so, you know, your dedication of your book is to her and it's just such a beautiful love letter and I, I just would love for you just to share maybe just a tiny bit around how your love and your relationship creates safety and anchors for you mm. within your work. Yeah. I, I think first and foremost, Sonia is the most dedicated person I think I've ever met. And as somebody who has the childhood that I do, to be committed to in that way, in such an open way as well. She's, if, if nothing, she is a lover of her freedom and everybody else's, hence her organization being called Free From. Um, freedom is like essential for her. Uh, but she's also the most dedicated human that I've ever met. And when we got together, it was like, everything I ever wanted to do became possible because I had a partner. Our partnership has enabled, I think, both of us to move really fully into our purpose. She's the CEO of the company. I'm the president. So we very much run it together. She also is the executive director of Free From. So she's got two big careers, but the rest of us are just human. So, you know, everything, everything that the business has always been in support of Free From. And it, there's always been this perfect kind of braiding of our worlds. And she's always been inextricable from the astrology side of the business. So 
there's nothing, nothing is done alone. Like we all need partnership and whether that's our, you know, romantic partners or also business partners, or if it's our platonic partners that are like our perfect match, like we, we need each other so desperately. And I think when we find those connections, we find those partnerships, what we do is we potentiate each other. My potential becomes realized and bigger than it even is on its own. And her potential becomes realized and bigger than it is. And so through the love and support and labor that we do for each other, other things can flourish and then hopefully can create containers for other things to flourish that we even have no idea about. And so investing in each other is everything, I think. That is so beautiful and inspiring and it really fills fills me up and, and you fill me up so much and I'm just so grateful that you are doing the work that you're doing and creating so much support and and, and, and guidance for, for so many of us. I'm so grateful to be here and for your work. And I'm so excited to see what unfolds. And, you know, you're about to have a Jupiter return. Just saying, <laughs> you, you've seen my chart. You've seen my chart. Thank you for tuning into my conversation with Chani Nichols. For more from Chani, pick up her book, You Were Born For This, or download her eponymous app, Chani. I can't recommend them enough. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.